John chapter 4. It's good to have Jim with us in the service today again back home. Thanks for coming. It's good to be here on homecoming day. We're going to have a meal after preaching service. Everyone's invited. I've had someone already come up to me and said that I didn't bring anything today. Am I invited? Yes. Yes. You are invited. Come and enjoy yourself and be a part. Well, we're out of Luke today in the John chapter 4 because I want to do a special theme for homecoming. Next week, though, we'll be in Luke chapter 7. And uh, if you want to know the number one reason, the number one reason for Christian failure, you'll be here next Sunday. The number one reason for Christian failure. You, you ought to read it. Read chapter 7 of Luke, Luke 7, and see if you can uh, come up with that before we get here next Sunday. I, I just encourage you to do that. Luke 7, number one cause of Christian failure. Someone gets out of the will of God or turns away and stops living for Christ or has trouble in, in, the, in the church or problem. Luke 7. Number one reason. Number one. All right, now, we're looking at John 4 today. And this is uh, homecoming day, so we want to think on something that uh, would be appropriate. Boy, I tell you, I, I wrestled with what to preach today. And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And uh, I did, and, and I had perfect peace when I came to this text. And so I believe we're right where God wants us. So you're looking at chapter 4. Chapter 3 was about... Nicodemus, who reluctantly came to Christ eventually. I believe he did, don't you? I believe he came to Christ before it was over with. And uh, he was a, a solid believer when he did. You know, sometimes those that are hard to bring to Christ become the best believers because they're convinced. Some people just come in and go out. Just come in and go out. And, you know, it just seems to be no conviction about it. But Nicodemus was totally convinced, I believe, before the end of the gospel, before the, uh, the Lord went back to heaven and he became a lit. Chapter 3, we got a rich man. Chapter 3, we got a religious man. He got saved. Chapter 4, we have the woman at the well. The woman at the well that got saved. We got her story that dominates chapter 4. But I want to go to the point that Jesus brought to the disciples. Uh, many of us are not the woman at the well, but we're all the disciples. And so let's let's see what he what he come to and said, Okay, got you where I want you, boys. I got you where I want you. Now I want to tell you something. Isn't that way God is? He has to get us where we can hear him. And so I want us to hear it because we the church need to hear what Jesus had to say. Verse, verse thirty five. Say not ye there are yet four months. And then come of the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receive wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth, Another reapeth. I send you 
to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you're entered into their labors. Okay, so disciples are there. And Jesus gives them this word after he assembles them. Uh, a lot has transpired in chapter 4 up to this point. Now, I'm going to go through some of it. won't be able to maybe cover it all. But he makes this point. This woman that got saved there at the well went back and touched the people of her town. She started with the people that would listen. She started with the people that listened, and they started coming. And as a result, other people came. You reach one person. That one person may reach five people. And they all came. And Jesus saw a harvest. A multitude of people came to faith. He saw this harvest. And then he takes these 12 guys that is training to teach the church and, and to, to take the church on after he goes back to heaven. He says, now guys, i got to tell you all something. You all need to get this. Y'all are always talking about everything. Y'all are always worried about this and, and everything and that. But this woman did what I have assigned you to do, and you need to learn from it. And he's saying that today. So, you know, our responsibility to tell our community and our world about Jesus and to win them the faith in Christ, that's what's laying on us today to do that. We're, we're just, as I said last week, this is just not a place, a destination for you to show up at. It is when you first begin. It's a destination. You need to get people here. They need to be at the church for the destination. But it's not just a destination. It's a sending place where we go out into the world and win the world to Christ. So the story of the woman at the well, the woman that met Jesus there at Jacob's well, it shows us the need for individuals to know Christ. and It instructs us that we need to be reaching out to people. The water even illustrates what comes true in salvation, doesn't it? The need for water. That people need water physically, but they need spiritual water to be saved. They need the Holy Spirit to be saved. So Jesus, in this story, teaches us. Now, it begins with them traveling, going to Jerusalem, doesn't it? They're headed to Jerusalem, and Jesus makes this statement. He said, guys, i got to make a pit stop. i got to go out of my way here. i got to... Hey, are you willing to go out of your way for Jesus? He said, i got to make a pit stop here. i got to go through Samaria. And all the disciples say, what? Man, we already got our tickets paid to go this direction, and you want to go over here. we got plans today. we got things we need to do, and you want to lollygag over here, Jesus? What's going on? You're always doing stuff. God, you're always doing stuff like it. Taking me off my trip, off my travel. Anybody agree with that? Yeah, right. God messes up our plans. He said it there in verse 4. Notice he said, I must needs go through Samaria. The Samaria was a place that the disciples were taught to avoid, weren't they? Jesus had to go there to a well because he wanted to meet this woman. Now, when he gets there, he stops. He's probably tired, been traveling. He's, he's seated there. And, and a woman, a lone woman, during the middle of the day comes. Now, that was odd, unusual, because uh, they tell us traditionally the women would come in the evening and get their water at the well, and they would come in groups, and they would be talking about what happened in their day. But this woman avoids the crowd, and there's a reason, because she's not one of the accepted ones in the community. 
So it's odd. Jesus could see way out there as he could see even unto the day. And he sees that you're... He could see a zillion years ago that you're going to be here today. But he looked out ahead. He saw that woman going to be at that well at noontime. And he said, I must needs go there to meet this woman. As we go through life, I want us to think this way. It's not the, the life and the destination of life that's important. It's the process and, and where God wants us at a certain time that's important. He wants us in a certain place at a certain time. And he wants us to make contact with people. He wants us to be an influence on people. And he wants us to win people to Jesus. And that's the only reason he left us here. We would all be better off if we, when we got saved, he'd take us to heaven. We'd all be better off, but he doesn't do it that way. He leaves us here to be his witnesses, and he wants us to stumble through life and to run into people and try to share Jesus with them. And so John tells us the story here. She's got an empty water pot. And that's so much of the world today, an empty water pot. That was you and I before we become a Christian. We had a water pot. We, had a, we was a container, but we were empty. And some people fill it up with stuff, and they don't realize that they're empty. They fill it up with the world, the flesh, and, and all the things, and they keep it as full as they can, and, and they don't realize that really none of those things will really fill the pot. And Jesus catches her with that empty water pot, and he caught her at the perfect time. You know, it wasn't that uh, he wanted to meet there a month before. He wanted to meet there right now because she was empty, and she was realizing she was empty on this day. And with that empty water pot, she represents the people that need to know Christ and the people that you need to witness to. Now John tells us that she'd uh, been married five times, right? Uh, she'd been married five times and was living with a fellow right at the time. And so looking for something, that's who she is. That's what that, she's looking for something or someone because she's got an empty pot. She has an empty heart. The world is seeking to fill that pot with all, and seeking the wrong things. The answer is a relationship with Christ that brings you into a relationship with others in the church that makes your life grow and you experience and you become a well of water that springs up and brings water to other people. And as a Christian, we've got to be careful. We treat church like it's the destination, and we get the water, and then we don't do anything with the water, and the water grows stale. That water needs to overflow. We need to grow in our relationship with Christ. Now, Jesus, when he looked at this woman that uh, had been and who she was, he didn't, he didn't look at her as bad. He looked at her as sad. There's a big difference how you look at people. You should never look at people as bad. I'm going to say that. Don't you hear that? You should look at people as sad. Because if you really classify people as bad, we're in the same boat. And if you can't admit that you're bad in your heart, you've probably never been to Christ. And if you don't realize that if you allowed yourself, you could do anything anyone else could do. If you don't realize that, you're not very educated. So he didn't look at her as if she was bad. He looked at her 
as if she was sad. And that's, people just need Jesus. She, she seemed content to settle. But Jesus wants to arouse her. And he wants her to seek more and to understand. So he opens a conversation. Verse 7, it says here, that, uh, and there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said, and her, give me the drink. He opens this conversation with her. She's surprised. She's surprised that this Jewish man would open a conversation, would be there at that time to meet her there. She's surprised. She's suspicious. Now, Jesus, I want you to think about this for a minute. It, it doesn't say it in the text, but we know it's true. Jesus had to get rid of the disciples so he could meet this woman and have a conversation with her. Let me ask you something. Which, which classification would you be? Would you be one of the disciples that Jesus would need to get out of the way so he could have an intelligent conversation with a wicked woman? Would you be one that he, he said, hey, won't you go to town and get the food and, and let me just stay here. I need to talk to this lady about Jesus. Oh, listen, folks, I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying, but we need to refocus our life so that Jesus would say to us, hey, hey, won't you come with me and go see this woman at the well with me? He did not have one disciple that was at that level. You say, well, preacher, there's not much hope for us. There was no hope for them. But Jesus got them to where they needed to be before he went up in the cloud, didn't he? And Jesus needs to get us to focus and to refocus on the fact that the fields are white unto harvest out there. There's people that need Christ, and Jesus needs to take us with him to see them, to win them. So verse 8, we go back. It says in verse 8, it says, And his disciples were gone away in the city to buy meat. I don't think it's an accident that Jesus sent them away so he could have a in conversation with this woman. They would have been distraction. Question, and the fact is, every one of us that are Christians here, we can be a distraction. Verse 9, verse 9 it says, and Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jewish Jew, ask this drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritan. Hey, it ought to fascinate, we, we ought to realize that we can fascinate people by being interested in their life. Amen. He did. He, he, he just fascinated her with the fact that he was interested. See, most people are interested in their thing, their life, and what they're doing, where they're going, and how they can get people on board to help them accomplish what they want to accomplish. How can I use you to get to where I want to be? Isn't that sad, but true? It is so true, it's not really sad. It's taken for granted, isn't it? How can I get you to help me get to where I want to be? But Jesus said, how can I get you to where you need to be? And that's what we need to do in witnessing. Notice John's commentary, verse 9, the last part of verse 9. I want you to get that. He said, the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. I'm going to tell you something. I think we have a lot of Christians that have no dealings with unsaved people. And I think things are going to change. I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing a change in our country. Because we've not had enough dealings with people that need Christ. 
and it's going to it's going to turn things away. That's the commentary, verse nine. And then Jesus doesn't follow the policy, does he? How many times have you noticed that Jesus busts the rule book? He breaks the rule book. And, and actually, what he's doing, he's breaking up the preconceived ideal of what the Bible is teaching. He's breaking up that false preconceived ideal of what the Bible is teaching. And he's got to break it all up. And it looks like he's against the commandments, you know. But what he is doing is breaking off the barnacles that have been added. And the purpose for which it was written. He's tearing it apart. He's not following the policy. He, he, he's saying to us that we need to realize that there, there's women just like this. There's men just like this. And, and we, need to, we need to break the policies and we need to get involved, get into their life and, and tell them about Jesus. Win them the faith. And then verse 10, a great verse. Jesus answered and said unto her, after she's made this comment. She was so uh, amazed by the fact that he would have conversation with her, that he would take time for her, that he wasn't interested in, in, in you know, the things that most people are. And, and, and then Jesus says this. He answered, Senator, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, give me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus He's not taking long taking her to the truth of the gospel, is he? He said, if you knew the gift of God. Let me ask you, do you know the gift of God? I've asked people before, do you know what the gift of God is? And I've had people answer it wrong. They say, well, the gift of God is life. No, that's not the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And to have life and not have eternal life is a bad thing. You need eternal life. You need to have Christ in your heart. That life-changing experience of knowing Jesus. So that you have eternal life. The gift of God. Romans, what, 6.23 for uh, the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's only through Jesus Christ. You receive it. You can receive it by faith and, and you can ask Him for it. And He'll give you living water. Anybody here need some water today? Let me make you thirsty. I hated that when I was a kid. Hey, you need the water? You need some water? Let me tell you what water you really need. If you drink that water, you'll need that water again. But if you drink of the spiritual water of, of the Holy Spirit, you'll never thirst again. That's what Jesus said in the text. He said that. Now, she thinks of physical water, of course. Verse 11. She said, you don't even have anything to draw with. <laughs> She's pretty outspoken, isn't she? Jesus gives her answer in verse 13. Jesus answered said, Whosoever drinketh of this water will thirst again. Verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's the spiritual water of salvation. Have you ever drank? Have you ever drank of that water? 
I'm not talking about the, the drink of religion. I'm not talking about the drink of baptism. I'm talking about the drink of living water that you receive when you turn from your sin and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's a satisfying drink when you really get saved. Her response, though, look at her response in verse 15. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She's wanting some kind of physical answer. And she, she wanting, she's wanting Jesus to take care of her problems, isn't, isn't she? she? She said, I want you to give me this, this drink so I'll never have to come to this well again. And you know what? A lot of people... They get saved or supposedly get saved with the idea that, God, you're going to fix me. You're going to fix me. Without any effort or cooperation from us, he's going to miraculously just fix our problems. Has anybody found that to be true? No, it's a long haul, isn't it? It's a long haul of the physical world being fixed. You say, well, if I get saved, I'll automatically quit being lazy. No, you won't automatically quit being lazy. If I get saved, I'll automatically uh, quit being a bum. No. When I get saved, I'll automatically quit wanting to run around and, and, and do uh, sinful things. No, not, not automatically. There has to be a surrender of your will. There has to be the follow-through. If I get saved, I'll lose 50 pounds. That's not going to work either. You may gain 50 pounds. It's so easy to be so content in Christ, isn't there? That you quit fighting that crazy world battle out there. You just let things that are not as important as they used to be be not important anymore. But see, getting saved is not going to fix your physical problem. But it's, here's what it's going to do. It's going to sound off an alarm when you're tempted to do things. It's going to say to us if, we, if we're lazy, you know, God doesn't want me to be lazy, or at least he doesn't want me to take advantage of being lazy. He wants me to do something. He wants me to get involved. He wants me to take care of my bills. He wants me to pay my own electric bill. Jesus if I can say, will you pay my electric bill? No, he'll make a point to make you pay your electric bill. We get this all mixed up. And it's, I'm telling you the truth. Getting saved will not fix the physical problem. It will take care of the big problem that you don't even realize when you're lost. You are on your way to death. You're going to die and you're going to stand before God. And if you're not prepared for that, you're going to be cast into hell. Not because God sends you to hell, because you neglected the way of escape. The way of escape is Jesus Christ, the Savior. So her response, yeah, she said, give me the water, but she wants more, more than what she really needs. She needs that spiritual water. She wants that fix. But Jesus then, guess what he does? He takes her to the evidence of her emptiness. He takes her to the evidence of her emptiness. Let me, let me show you what he said to her about her emptiness in verse 16. He said, Jesus said to her, Go call thy husband and come here. Now think about this. 
He takes her to the evidence. Now get that right, because I think you can be, you can be a Pharisee and say that he confronts her about sin in her life. I think that's a Pharisaical answer. I think if you'll really think about that, you will realize that you're just being a Pharisee if you say he took her to her sins. No, he took her to the evidence of her emptiness. When you talk to a person without Christ, you don't really need to bring up their sin, but you need to bring up the evidence of their emptiness. You are doing this because you do not have the water of life. Verse 16, Jesus said, Go call thy husband and come hither. 17, And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, that was well said, I have no husband. He said, For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband, in that saith thou truly. Jesus tells her the rest of the story, doesn't he? Now, in reality, she's telling a half-truth. A half-truth is a half-lie. Right? And when we come to the Lord, we need to get fully honest. If we want a new walk with God, we've got to be fully honest. You don't have to tell me, but you need to be honest with God. God already knows. He's just wanting us to know. And He wants us to clean the slate. Clean the slate. Have you ever cleaned your house? If you really want to clean, you've got to do a deep clean, don't you? If you want your soul clean, you, you need to do a deep clean. Just not a surface clean. And a lot of people are willing to do this surface clean, but we need to get truly honest before God and have a deep cleansing. A real deep... Hey, do you want to be clean? Bring it to Jesus. Lay it on the altar with Jesus. Lay it on the... If you want to be clean, you can be clean. But you've got to have a deep clean to be clean. Jesus didn't want her to be half saved because to be half saved is not to be saved at all. It can talk the language of being saved. So many people know the language of salvation. They don't know the true experience of salvation let me tell you something. Maybe you were saved back in some day there, but then you know you're not where you need to be with God. Hey, the only way to get to where you need to be with God is a deep cleansing. A deep cleansing. Not a game. People play games. We, we've all done it. We've all played games. No, it's all on the altar. It's all on the altar. Verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> and then Jesus proceeds to tell her the rest of the story that this is not about religion and a religious place to worship. It's about salvation. If you really follow it, you can look at it. it they go through this process of, of, of Jesus bringing her from the ideal that I need to be religious to the place of where she can experience salvation. 
Look at verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I that speak to thee am he. He took her all the way. Now, isn't that a great story? Great lessons in there for us. Then the disciples show up, don't they? You know, they missed every bit of the spiritual experience of leading a lady to Jesus. They missed it. And, and sometimes, sometimes when, when we have people saved at our church, I mean, I'm just bubbling inside, and, and the person saved is bubbling inside, and the person that knew them well and maybe brought them to church is bubbling inside, and uh, then I look at other people, and they're thinking, what happened? What happened? Did I miss something? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. (laughs) Disciples, they missed it all, didn't they? Verse 27, notice, And upon this came the disciples. God, God ordained this all to happen just like this. He had to get her saved before these knuckleheads got back. Verse 27, And upon this came to the disciples and marveled. Not that she got saved. Right? They marveled that he talked with the woman. They had been complaining about Pharisees all along, and there they are. <laughs> Ain't nothing like knowing your heart till God reveals your heart, is it? And so they marveled that he talked with the woman, yet... No man come out front and said what they were thinking, did they? It says, no man said what seekest thou or why talkest thou. Hey, they were thinking all of the things that you're thinking they're thinking. It's going on. Surprised that he talked to her. Sad, isn't it? Sad, isn't it? They, They offered Jesus food. Verse 20, 30, it says, it says, and they, uh, verse 31, I think, 31. And in, in the meanwhile, the disciples prayed him, asked him, saying, Master, eat. They, they want him to eat. They're, they're worried about him. You know, if you, <laughs> if you ever really become a soul winner and win people to Christ and see people come, people are going to start thinking something's wrong with you. There's something wrong with this guy. He's not, he's, he's not all there. We need to be there, don't we? Verse 32, he gives them a wonderful answer. He says, and, but Jesus said to him, I have meat that you know not of. I call that a wonderful answer. <laughs> it's first of all, a deep cut to what they are and where they are in it. I have meat that you know not of. He's talking about the meat of winning this lady to Christ, to seeing the will of God done in her life, of winning this woman to Jesus, to, to faith in Jesus. He's talking about that, isn't he? That's what he's talking about. He said, I have meat that you know not of. If you ever discover what it is to win people to Christ, you'll want to do it again. You'll want to have that experience again. But they didn't get it. They didn't, it didn't even register. 
Verse 33, it says, And therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him something to eat? And we didn't know it. They're still talking about food, aren't they? Isn't it amazing how Christians love to talk about food? We're going to have food today. You wonder why I'm here today in this subject. They, uh, they're all about the physical things, aren't they? You know, all those physical things need to be done, don't they? They do. We've got to take care of the, the, the carpet, the building, the light bill. We've got to take care of the food, the dinner, the cooking it, the preparing it, the cleaning. We've got to do all those things. But we don't need to be consumed by those things. There needs to be time for the real things. In verse 33, therefore the disciples, one, uh, said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him something to eat? And Jesus answers, verse 34, and he that, uh, verse 34, and Jesus said to him, my meat, what I'm talking about is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now is that just Jesus? Or is that you? Is that God's will? Is that not the meat that God has for us? That is the meat that God has for us, isn't it? You know, all the physical things that we could be consumed with they have their place right all of those paying the bills doing the work having the house and 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 accomplishing things all of them have their place but there's some meat that we need to know about that many know not of that meat is the will of god which is to complete the work that jesus came to do and went to heaven for us to complete right so, we're all filled, but what are we filled with? We're all filling, but what are we being filled with? We need to be filled with the will of God to complete the work that Jesus did that he left us here to complete. Yep. Well, witnessing. Are you missing out as a Christian on this meat of the will of God of completing the work that Jesus did now the lesson taught to him verse 35 look at it look at verse 35 say not ye there are yet four months then come at the harvest behold I say unto you lift up your eyes he said lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest we know that verse don't we Look at it again. Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. The fields are white on the harvest. What does that mean? He said there's people everywhere. He said, well, I, I don't know anyone. I, 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 don't, I can't think of anyone that I could bring to Jesus. There's a problem there, isn't there? Is Jesus wrong? There's not any, there's everybody, there's nobody around here that I know of. Jesus is not wrong. Are you in the wrong place? Are you thinking about the wrong things? That's the problem. That's the problem. Now notice the first thing he starts in verse 35, he, he talks about excuses. Excuses. He says, say not ye, 
that there's four months. Then come at the harvest. That, you just put all, all the excuses right in there. The, the problem, put excuses. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about people going to hell today because there's four months left. Now, he said the fields are white on the harvest, didn't he? Now, you go there with me if you, if you would. I go down south a little ways, and I look out on a cotton patch, and I see a white cotton field out there full of cotton just all opened up and full ready to pick. I see that. I can see that. I can lay in the bed. I, you can take me to Alaska. You can take me to Hawaii. You can take me, put me on a boat in the middle of the ocean. I can see that field white. Under, I was raised in that field white under heart. That's not what he's saying, is it? That would be good. That's actually better than what Jesus said. Jesus is talking about wheat. Right? And the wheat is about to fall off on the ground because it's so ripe. It's white. You with me? It's white. Hey, folks, Jesus said it. It's true. He said it. Uh, it's true today. More than any day before, it's true today. The fields are white on the harvest. And God has placed this church here. And you as a part of it, with the responsibility of looking out onto the fields that are white on the harvest. People are, people are lost. People need to be saved. People need to come to Christ, and it's on us. It's on us. It's on us. God put you here. Let's look on the fields. The crop represents the people in need of Jesus. The people that, that need to be saved. It's sweet. It's white. It's past. It's past. It's, it's about to fall off. How many people has God placed in your path for you to witness to, to invite, to witness to, to win? How many people God puts them there all the time? How many people God puts on your heart? We need to be thinking about this. The disciples missed it all, though, didn't they? That, that, is, that is alarming. If the disciples missed it, I wonder, are we missing it? Do we think of church as a destination, a place for me to go. I've got my time put in. I've listened to the preacher uh, do whatever he does, and the song was good, and, and now I'm done. I'm done. No, I'm not done. I'm just begun. Disciples, they're as bad as any of the Pharisees. You care? Do you care, Disciples? Do you care if people are in trouble? Do you care if people are lost on their way to hell? Do you care? Then are you prejudiced? Lord, help us. Are you preoccupied with everything else? These men, these men despise this woman. They despised her. And they were preoccupied. They was going to the store. Hey, we're going to the store. I'm going to the store because we need some food. We're going to have a, a, a big dinner. But don't mess with me about this woman. We ain't got time to mess with that woman. We got a meal to prepare. We got to have fellowship. 
Does it not speak to all of us? Preoccupied? Didn't have time? The disciples are there. That woman's there. She's, she gets saved, doesn't she? She meets Jesus. She gets the water. She goes back to town. She starts with the men that she knew. This girl was more involved with men than women, whatever that says. She started with the men she knew. And she told them her testimony, didn't she? She told them her testimony, and they started coming out. She's, them guys was like, who is this? Do I know her anymore? She's different. She's changed. But the disciples were like, Jesus, could you get this woman out of the way? We don't have time for her. And these Samaritans that she's with, they never amount to anything. They're never going to amount to anything. These Samaritans, they never did amount to anything. We don't want to mess with them. Let's, let's go have dinner, Jesus. 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 Verse 32. It says, But Jesus said to him, I have meat. He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of the Father, to continue the work the Father sent me to do. We need to do all those things. We need to eat our meat. We need to have our fellowship dinner. But we need to have meat that is spiritual, that is eternal, that many people know not of. Because they haven't witnessed. Now, we need to be involved, living out, working out the will of God. We need to value other people. What do I need to do? All right, we're going to close this thing down. We're ready to go eat, aren't we? We're going to shut her down. How are we going to shut her down? Number one, number one, we've got to stop making excuses. There's plenty of time. I got this to do, I got that to do. I, I would stop and witness that person, but I, I, I got to get to town. I got to get a gallon of milk. Because six hours from now, we're going to have supper. I got to go. Stop leaning on our excuses. And then I think the most important thing, look at verse 35. Look at it with me. Put it up there. 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. My clothes is this. Look! Look! Not just today. But when you get in that truck and you're driving that truck, look! When you go in that store, look! When you, when you go to uh, knocking on doors, look! Look! Take your focus off of self and look! You can have the joy that, that Jesus had, the, the meat that he was experiencing, and the whole city can get saved. But you got to look. She got a testimony, didn't you? She got a story to tell. 
Many people were saved. Verse 39, 41, people came from everywhere. Many of them got saved because of her witness. Many more got saved because they met Jesus and he witnessed to them. Verse 42, And saith unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy sayings, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now let me tell you one more thing about these folks before we give up on them. They were, they were uh, Samaritans. They were just common people that were overlooked. Samaritans. These Jews had been taught they have no dealings with Samaritans. They have no dealings with Samaritans. You know, there's nothing wrong with keeping yourself clean in the world, is there? But you... John 17, in his high priestly prayer, he made it clear that the cleanness, is, the cleanness is not to avoid people, but the cleanness is is have Jesus in your heart that keeps you clean, not religion wrapped around you keeping you clean. Not that you separate yourself from people, but that you're so insulated within with Jesus that you make a difference in the world which you're in. It's not inoculated, but insulated. <laughs> 35, say not there are four months, then come to the harvest, I say to you, lift up your eyes, for the fields are wide already. And guess what? Verse 36, he says, And he that reapeth receive wages, and gathereth unto life eternal. Both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And we're going to set in heaven... When we're going to sit in heaven, we're going to see someone in, he someone in heaven that got there, and they're going to come up and say, you know, you never won me to Christ, but you did tell me something that really inspired me to think. You invited me to church, all kinds of things. And he that soweth and he that reapeth are going to rejoice together in heaven over the people that got saved. We'll be rewarded, verse 36. Verse 37 we're told to do our part. To do our part. Notice. And herein is this saying true. One soweth, another reapeth. And one soweth, and another reapeth. We're just to do our part. It's God that gives the increase. And then verse 38. I sent you to reap whereon ye bestowed no labor uh, unto men. Uh, other men labored, and ye have entered into their if you'll just go, if you'll just knock, if you'll just witness, God will send you place and He'll let you see someone come to Christ. He'll let you see someone come to church if you'll just be a part. What do we got to do? We got to look. We got to quit looking at our stuff and open our eyes and see that there's a harvest. There's a field that's white. Church, if we don't look, there's no need for our existence. Let's bow our heads. If we don't look, there's no need for a church to exist. We have to look. Look. Go into highways and hedges and look. Go into the fields, the streets and byways and look. Go into someone's home and look. Go into the store and look. Go into the job people we work with and look we have to look who do you see
there's someone in your sight that needs the truth of the gospel to be saved. But you got to look. With your spiritual eyes, you have to look. Let's quietly stand. You need to come today. You come, get on this altar. And ask God to open your eyes that you can look. invite you to come and look come be a part of the looking would you come and be a part of the look to look the fields are white children teenagers adults everywhere around us someone needs to look you've gotten here Great, you made the destination. Now, we're sent to look. Who can you find? Say, won't you come right now? Give your heart to Jesus. Won't you, won't you surrender to Christ right now? Let Him have your life. Trust Jesus Christ with your life right now. Let Him be your Savior today. One more verse. Won't you come right now? Life-changing experience. If you meet Jesus, would you come? Whatever you need, you come. like